You comfortable? Would you please stand for the reading of God's Word? Uh, We're excited this morning to have one of the youngest members of our family participating in lighting the Advent wreath. Uh, I'm hoping that uh, Lily doesn't burn herself. Oh, no. Uh, But the Rich Schuster family is lighting the Advent wreath for us this morning. Our scripture lesson comes from Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 24. Uh, A story that you saw acted out. And now we want to hear from the Word. Um, What does God say? Uh, So please look with me at Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 11. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, that's Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to give him the name John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from birth. Many of the people of Israel will he bring back to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord." Zechariah asked the angel, How can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. And the angel answered, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been spent, sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah, wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized he had seen a vision in the temple, for he kept making signs to them, but remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant. And for five months remained in seclusion. May God add God's blessing to the reading and hearing this God's most holy word. Thank you for being in this place, for hearing the cries of your people, for responding in such powerful ways, for helping us to know your presence in the midst of of the in-between. And this morning, Lord, as we reflect on that in between, we ask that your spirit would come upon us and open us up to understand your, your will and your way. Lord, we pray that our hearts would be open and our minds would be aware that we would hear your voice in your word. Lord, I, I pray that you would speak through me, though I'm unworthy, except by your incredible grace. Come, Lord Jesus, help us to take what we hear from you and apply it as we serve you. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This, uh, this Christmas season, we're going to be talking about, I feel like they're coming from everywhere. <laughs> uh, we're going to be talking about the promise of Christmas. The promise of Christmas. Now, some people will say to you, I give you my word. Have you ever heard that? I give you my word. They're making a promise, right? I give you my word. Most, the most incredible part of Christmas. You with me? See, you won't have to come back because now you'll know. The most incredible part of Christmas is that the Almighty God gave us His Word. That's what Christmas is all about. Now, sometimes people still wonder, uh, and they doubt, because, you see, there were a whole bunch of things that Jesus promised and that God promised in Jesus Christ. And we don't always see those things clearly as we walk through this world. Would you agree with me? And the problem is, when you make a promise, there's that time between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise, correct? Some of you are married, and you may remember the day that that person put a ring on your finger or you put a ring on someone else's finger, and you made a promise. And hopefully, <laughs> and there's that in-between time, right? Now, have engagements ever been broken off? Yeah, scary stuff. So this Christmas, just because he gives you a ring, no, I don't mean to, <laughs> this isn't very nice. <laughs> uh, uh, and why do you accept the ring? And why do you accept that, that promise? Because you trust that person, right? You have faith in that person. This morning, as we talk about the, the promise of God, the most important piece of that promise is for you to put your trust in the one who has promised you. And the struggle is we go from the promise and we don't, we don't see the fulfillment right away. And so there's that time that we call the waiting, right? And we all know the waiting is the part, the hardest part, right? Kenny got it. What's wrong with the rest of you? You all had too much turkey, didn't you? I see what's going on. Uh, you've been having turkey leftovers for breakfast or something, so that trigger, whatever that stuff is, is making you sleepy this morning. Uh, we, we're going to talk this morning about the waiting, because it is the hardest part, isn't it? The, the promise is wonderful. That moment uh, that you have received the promise is, is just incredible, but it's not until it's fulfilled that you really know the fulfillment of the promise, correct? And so there's that period in between. We call it the waiting period, and it's, it's a hard period. And God has made promises to you and to me, and yet we don't always see those promises fulfilled immediately. There's that period of waiting. For instance, we have a waiting often for answered prayer. The Scripture is clear that God hears and answers our prayer, doesn't it? Isn't it? Isn't that what it says? And yet, 
there's that period of time between the time you pray and the time you see the outcome of that prayer, correct? In this morning's passage, for instance, Zechariah goes into the temple, and just so you're aware, Zechariah, Zechariah is a priest, goes into the temple to work in the temple. And while he's in there, the people of Israel are required to be outside praying and worshiping God. Now, the people of Israel had been praying for a Messiah. They were looking for someone who could help them overthrow the oppression of the Roman government. They, they, were, they were struggling to get by, and, and, and you know, they were taxed greatly. And, and the, the laws just seemed to be more and more directed against them. And it, it just seemed like everywhere they turned, the, the government was in their business. Sound familiar? And they had been praying that God would send someone to set them free. Now, the struggle here, of course, is that God's promise was a Messiah, but very different than the one they expected. He was going to offer them a Savior who would set them free, not just from an oppressive government, but who would set them free from the bondage of evil, from the bondage of doing what's wrong, from the bondage of thinking what's wrong, from the bondage of saying what's wrong. One of the things I like is that Zachariah couldn't talk. He couldn't get it wrong. Well, he was a man. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> he couldn't get it wrong. He couldn't say anything. And so here, here the people are outside praying for a Messiah. God had already begun to fulfill the answer to that prayer for the people. And so as they were outside praying, God is inside the temple already bringing to fulfillment the promise of a Messiah. He was already beginning to prepare the way. And how was He doing that? He was doing that by answering Zechariah's prayer. Now, I think this is interesting because when Zechariah is told that his wife is going to have a baby, just like he prayed, Zechariah said, wait a minute, time out. I'm old, my wife is well along in years, and, and you're telling me we're going to have a baby now? Now, wait a minute. That begs the question, when did he pray that his wife would have a baby? <laughs> you see, Zechariah and Elizabeth were both from the priestly tribe they were both of priestly uh, lineage. And that, of course, held them in high esteem amongst the people. Uh, not only that, the Scripture tells us earlier on that they were blameless. They followed the law religiously. They were good people. And yet, despite all that, they still didn't have a child. And so there are some in Palestine who in that day would say, well, if you don't have a child, then God must be angry with you. You must have done something wrong. Who sinned that you couldn't have a baby? God must not be pleased with you. The Scripture this morning makes it very clear that that's not the case at all. That God is very pleased with Zechariah and Elizabeth. 
that God sees them as very, very precious in his sight, that he loves them very much. Folks, if you're caught in a relationship and, and you, you've been trying to have a child and, and you haven't had a child, I want you to know right now that God loves you very, 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 very much. It has nothing to do with whether you're a sinner or not. We're all sinners, so welcome to the, the crowd. It has nothing to do with that. In this instance, God was waiting for the perfect time. And this was it. You you see, Zechariah probably prayed when he and Elizabeth were young and thought it'd be fun to have a child. They didn't know. I I mean, they... It is fun, isn't it, Kenny? It is fun. And it's, it's exciting. But you understand what's going on here? It's been years, and that prayer wasn't answered. He'd been waiting and waiting and waiting, and it still wasn't answered. You ever feel that way when you've prayed? God, I don't get it. I'm doing everything you're supposed to do. And, of course, you know, we, we get into that. Somehow, if I'm good enough, God will answer my prayers. That's not what it's about. I, I've, been, I've been trying to pray faithfully and, and, and day in and day out. I've been doing my devotionals. I've, I've been trying to do it all right. And, God, why haven't you answered my prayer? He hasn't answered your prayer because he's causing you to wait. And I hate it, don't you? But it's in the waiting time that God is beginning to build our faith and challenge our faith and see if we really believe in the promise. Do you really believe that God will answer your prayer? Waiting is the hardest part. Not only waiting here for answered prayer, but waiting for the miracle. You know, uh, there's that period of time where Zechariah is there uh, working in the temple, and he's, he's changing the showbread in the, the holy place there, and he's relighting the lamps, and then he goes to the, the altar of incense, and these are all in the holy place. And at the altar of incense, he lights the incense and begins to fill the temple with that wonderful aroma uh, of the prayers. It's, it's a symbol of the prayers of God's people filling the temple calling upon God. Now what's amazing is, you see, Zechariah is one of, scholars tell us, approximately 20,000 other priests. One of 20,000 other priests. Those priests are, are divided up into 24 divisions. And then every day, a lot is cast to see which division, and then which tribe, and then which priest would serve in the temple for that day. And they would change the showbread, and they would relight the candles, make sure the candles were lit, not relight them, make sure they're lit, make sure they're trimmed, make sure there's plenty of oil, and then they would go light the incense in the altar of incense. Every day this happened. If you were blessed, once in your lifetime you would serve in the temple. Think about it, 20,000 priests. Once in your lifetime. And amazingly, while Zechariah is in the temple, his turn 
his division, Lot cast for him. There he is when the angel shows up at the altar of incense. Isn't that amazing? Think, think of the odds. What are the odds that it would all come together just like that? Well, of course, there are no odds because God is directing the circumstances, isn't He? God is directing the circumstances to make it all come together so that at just that right moment, Zachariah's there when Gabriel shows up and Gabriel shares the message. You with me? And not only that, this was all planned ahead of time. For almost 3,000 years before that, the prophet Malachi said, uh, prophesied the birth of this child. For the people of Israel, he said this, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. He says, I will send my messenger ahead who will prepare the way. Then in in chapter 4, he says this, he will turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the hearts of the children to their parents, or else I will come and strike the land of Israel with destruction. Does that sound familiar? What's the angel say? The angel says he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Did you catch that? Prophesied way back in Malachi. And even in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40, he's prophesied. It says, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. And who's making that preparation? John. This child, this miracle child, it's not a coincidence. God had prepared ahead of time. Zechariah, one out of 20,000. God had all figured out way, way back. While you're waiting, I just want you to know, God already knows. Christmas morning, you will sit in open presence, most of you, or maybe Christmas Eve. And when you get that present, the person who wrapped it, I guarantee you, already knows what's in it. I hope. I, my, my, well, maybe I, maybe I misspoke. But yeah, I, I believe that the person who wrapped it will already know. Don't you think? Do you understand that God already knows what's going to happen in your life? And while you're waiting, while you're wondering, while you're struggling, while you're looking at, at this promise and you're trying to figure out how is this all going to work in my life, I want you to know that God has already planned it all out. The circumstances are going to fall right into place. He has prophesied that He will take care of you, that He will lead you, that He will be your God if you will be His people. It's already prophesied. So while you wait, you wait with anticipation knowing that God has what's best for you up ahead. I know some people wake up afraid of what the day's going to bring. You need not be afraid. God has already prepared the day for you. One of my favorite scriptures is is the story in... in, uh, in Joshua, the story of Jericho. You remember that story? Uh, where Joshua, best part, Joshua goes out and, and he runs into the commander of the Lord's army. Okay, And the commander of the Lord's army gives him the battle plan. You remember that, right? March around the city, march around the city, march around the city. Okay, you remember that part. Most people remember that part. And the walls came tumbling down. Okay, 
But the best part is the, the commander of the Lord says, I have already taken the city. Already. It's already a done deal. Don't you wish God would tell you that in advance? He has. He's already into tomorrow. You see, we're not there yet. He's already into tomorrow. He knows what's going to happen. He's wrapped the gift for you. He's promised to walk with you through it, to get you to the other side if it's not a good day, or to bring you great rejoicing if it is a good day. You need not worry. God, while you wait, has prepared the promise for you. So we're waiting for the answered prayer. We're waiting for the miracle. And last of all, the baby is born. And when that baby is born... He is to be called what? What's his name? John. Wait a minute, John? Now you have to understand, uh, the family gets really kind of bent out of shape about this because, you see, when you have a child, you always name that first child a family name. Some of you may, may have done that. You think back of, you know, so you na- you're named after your grandmother or your grandfather or, or both, I don't know. And, and you, you, you somehow your name connects with the family. And some families do that back in the, the days, the first century. That was the common thing. That was what you did. And to not do that was to break with tradition. You wanted to make sure that you named your child within the family name. And here, uh, Zachariah, who can't say it, he writes on the pad so that Elizabeth knows His name is to be called, what? John. John. That name is important because what they are waiting for is grace. By the way, Zachariah's name means God remembers. When you're wondering why your prayers aren't answered, remember that God remembers. Elizabeth's name means God is my oath. When you're wondering why the miracle isn't happening, remember God has made a promise, an oath to you. He'll walk with you through it. John's name, God is gracious. God is gracious. You see, the miracle of this birth is that God's grace is going to be revealed to the world And John the Baptist is going to start it. By the way, I like his name, John the Baptist. Literally, it's John the Baptizer, the one who baptized, because that's what John did. Uh, And folks, uh, some people say he's the start of the Baptist church. I'm not sure that's true. But... (laughs) But I like John the Baptist, and he baptized people. Why did he baptize people? This is what he said to them. He said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. He said, the the Messiah is coming. As a matter of fact, when he sees Jesus, he says, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he offers to to those who would follow Jesus the, the forgiveness of sin. And he prepares them. He says, look at your life. Look where you fall short and call upon God. He will forgive you. He will set you free. He is is sending his Messiah to pay the price for you. And if you put your trust in him, he'll set you free. You no longer have to worry. While you wait, you can know that he has promised you life and life eternal. 
In other words, he's promised to walk with you every day, to give you life, to get you not just through, but become victorious within. And he has promised that he will come and take you to himself, that you will have eternal life. When you die, some people say, well, when I die, that's it. No. When you die, there's eternity yet to come. It's so clear because when you, when you go to a funeral of someone young who died, they say, oh, they died so young. Well, why is that a problem if you're going to die anyway? Unless, of course, there's the hope of more to come. And we believe there is more to come. Jesus rose again from the dead to show us that this life is not all there is, that there is a life yet to come. And he promises us that life. Now, the only way you can know that promise is if you would be willing to believe in Jesus, believe that he died for your sin and that he rose again from the dead. And if you would put your trust in him, then he promises while you wait to help you live victoriously. To trust in his promises, to trust that he will hear and answer your prayer. To trust that the miracle is yours as well as ours, as well as His. To believe that the promise is true. That when God gave His word, He meant it. What are you waiting for today? Some people are waiting for the right time. Well, I I, want to follow Jesus, but I want to make sure I got everything right first. You don't have to have everything right. The time is now. Jesus says today is the day of salvation. Come to Him today. Put your trust in Him. And the promise is yours. The choice is up to you. What are you waiting for? Do you have a prayer that you've been praying over and over again that has yet to be fulfilled by God? Maybe you were ready to give up like Zechariah did. Don't give up. God is listening. God remembers. Are you struggling, waiting for a miracle to happen? We serve a God who does miracles. He keeps His promise. Put your trust in Him. You watch. He'll put all the circumstances together just right. You say, well, I look at it, Pastor. It doesn't look right from my perspective. Don't look from your perspective. Look from His. You'll be able to see. You might be able to see. And even if you don't put your trust in Him and you watch, He will fulfill His promise. Receive His grace. Don't wait another day. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, thank You for being with us while we wait for the fulfillment of Your kingdom. We seek Your face this morning, Lord. There are some here, Father, who have prayed for years and have yet to see the answer. Fill them with trust. Remind them of Zechariah's prayer. Remind them of the prayers of the people of Israel. Fill them with trust as they wait for you. Lord, we pray for those who came this morning who uh, have not said yes to you. Lord, help them to see that 
that they can't be good enough no matter how hard they try, that you, you require perfection. And then open their hearts to your grace, that undeserved love that you offer all of us, that forgiveness that comes when we put our trust in you. This morning, Lord Jesus, may they say yes to you. Thank you for being with us while we wait. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.